The Super Bowl is set. Rams vs. Patriots. I'll recap this weekend's games. Boogie is back with the Warriors. Does that make them unbeatable? And I'll talk about Saturday night's fight between Manny Pacquiao and Adrian Broner. It's win or lose. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Win or Lose. It's Tim Bedgood. Hope everybody had a great weekend. It was some great football. Both championship games were great. I hope you guys enjoyed your weekend and your holiday. Let's get started. The NFC and AFC Championship. Both games went to overtime. Two of the best games of the year. Four evenly matched teams. I loved every bit of it. Let's start off with the NFC Championship. The controversy surrounding the ending is what we'll remember. You don't we'll take you might as well forget the first three, four quarters. All everybody wants to talk about is the ending. How it ended. Very controversial ending. That's all we'll talk about right now. But it was a very entertaining game. Very entertaining game. Not the shooter I thought it would be. But nevertheless, a good game. With a bad ending. You know? It's like watching a good movie that just had a bad ending. That's how I look at it. We watched a good movie, but it just had a terrible ending at the end of it. But let's talk about it for a little bit. It's a good game between the two best teams in the NFC. They've been the two best teams in the NFC all year. And they had the two best records in the league, 13-3. The Saints crowd was amazing as usual. They just came, I mean, it was shaking. And they said some of the dome fell apart. It was just so loud. So they was pumped up. They was ready to get their Saints back to another Super Bowl. I mean, I feel like it took the Rams a little little bit of time to get into this game. They was kind of, you know, you can see the noise kind of getting to them. Golf couldn't hear something. They had to use some early timeouts. I like the way the Saints crowd came out, made themselves involved, and it helped their team out a little bit, I think. And getting to the game, Saints jumped on them early. They took the ball, went down there, scored a touchdown, made it 3-0, got a turnover, added another field goal, made it 6-0. And that was very encouraging for the Rams, too, to only be down 6 nothing at that point. Then, you know, they often just couldn't get it going. They couldn't get it going. Golf looked a little bit off, looked like he was a deer in headlights. It might be too big for him. So the Saints was up to, jumped off to an early 13-0 lead. It could have been worse, let's be honest. But the Rams' defense held, held them in it, kept them in it, held them to some field goals. So it wasn't as bad as it should have been. And if the Saints took care of business, it probably wouldn't have came down to the controversial ending at the end. Alvin Kamara was really the Saints' only offense. He had 11 catches. It seemed like Breeze was looking to him early and often in that first half, getting him going. He looked good out the backfield. Rams really didn't have no answer for him until they made some adjustments. You know, start chipping him a little bit. You know, you know take, take the big plays away from him. You know, but the big change in this game came in the second quarter with the Rams down 13-0. And McVay said, let's try a fake punt. And that's what they did. They got the fake punt. They got the first down. Went down there and scored a, touch, a field goal. Made it 13-3. But I was kind of disappointed in the Saints for falling for that because that's what they used last week against the Eagles when they were down 14-0. So it's like, you had to resort to it. You should have been better prepared for it, you know, for the Rams 
But they go down and get a field goal and got a touchdown before the half, making it 13-10. So as bad as they played, it was 13-10 at the half. So the Rams really had to feel good about that. And Gurley was barely playing. They really didn't have the running game they was used to having since they got C.J. Anderson. So they were just happy just to be in the game. 13-10, we'll take it. They came out in the half, and they made the adjustments. Once you take Kamar and Michael Thomas away, Saints offense looked below average. And that's including Drew Brees. Let's be honest here. I mean, Drew Brees, the second half of the season, Drew Brees does not look good. I mean, let's be honest. Is it he's getting old or he's I mean he's not looking I mean he looks close to retirement than Brady. I mean, I'm just saying Drew Brees has turned into Alex Smith overnight. Check down here, check down there, check down everywhere. I mean, am I lying? I mean, that's how he's been the second half of the season. Let's be honest. Both defense played well, considering the fact that it was 45-35 the first time they played. I like the adjustments the Rams made. Like I said, chipping Kamar, taking Michael Thomas away. Once you take away those guys, like I said, this offense, they didn't run the ball enough with Ingram, I don't think. They abandoned the running game. Ingram was a non-factor. And they just made the right adjustments, I think, at the half. Golf was huge in the second half, making huge throws to Cooks, to Reynolds. And he, you know, I think he was the key factor to getting them back in this game. Like I said, he was a deer in the headlights in the first half. He didn't know what to think, but I think he slowed down, settled down, and made throws when it counted, leading a great drive down to the one in the fourth quarter. I was surprised McVay didn't go for this one right here. It was 2017. Refs missed a, a face mask against the Saints, but no call there. And they had it down to the one with C.J. Anderson. But they decided to kick the field goal, make it 20-20, and we're going down to the stretch. May the best team win. Okay, Rams get the ball back. And like I said, Drew Brees, he just, I mean, he struggled. He, he threw the, the, the deep pass again that set up, you know, they got him down there and set up. I think it was a bad throw. It was underthrown. I don't know what the corner was doing. Did he jump too early or jumped? I don't know what he mistimed his jump. But so Gia made a, a good catch on a bad throw by Breeze to set the Saints up. You know, he got bailed out. And then the Saints get down here, and this is what everybody wants to talk about. But what I want to talk about before we get to that is why didn't the Saints not run the ball? I mean, you talk about how you were running the abandoning the running game. So early in the game, I mean, you would think the Saints was down three scores the way they just stopped running the ball in this game. I mean, I've never seen a team be so one-dimensional and was leading the whole game. Like, you're leading the whole game, but you just abandoned the running game. Like, I mean, we're not going to even try to run the ball. I don't get it. But I know what y'all want to do. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, the pass interference call. I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, I think everybody who has eyes and can see, I mean, it was a bad call. You can't miss that call in this game, with this magnitude of this game. You can't miss that call. Let's be honest. I mean, the Saints had their chances, and they should have been there and wrapped this game up, in my opinion. But you can't miss that call in the NFC Championship. I mean, these refs, I don't know if they're going to be fired or they can't do big games no more. It's going to take some of their pay. But you can't miss that call in, in the NFC Championship. But I've been saying that all year. The officiating has all year has been atrocious, has been abysmal, egregious. And no, I don't know how to spell none of those words I just used. But that's how I feel about 
the refs this this game and all season, in my opinion. But like I said, the Saints were too pass happy. I mean, Saints had their chances. They won the toss in overtime, so they had plenty of chances. But you know, they was they was ultimately doomed with that with that no pass interference call. You know, that's my thing when I talk about sports, though. When I'm talking about boxing or or basketball, you can't let it come down to the officials. You gotta put your you know hand around their throat and squeeze. You gotta get this game over with. But I don't want to take anything from the Rams. They played tough. What Sean McVay has done in two years has been nothing short of amazing. I mean, you know, they always had talent. But one thing about NFL, and this is the key in football more than any other sport, coaching can make a difference. You can have all the talent in the world, but a bad coach will mess things up. And you just going from McVay, from Jeff Fisher to McVay is night and day. I mean, it's like, you know, you're drinking milk and then you're drinking tequila. It's just night and day. I mean, Jeff Fisher, to me, was still stuck in the 80s with his coaching philosophy. The game passed him on. It was time for him to go. Go chill with your wife. Y'all go on a nice island and just relax. It was time for you to go. Golf looks like a completely different player than he was with Fisher. We were calling him a bus. But my thing is, you know, you don't get to choose who your head coach is. Like, you come from a dysfunctional background. You don't get to choose who your parents are. Golf didn't get to choose who his coach was. You know, he got the right guy in here. Talented team. Just needed a good coach to get him in here. And look what you have here. A team going to the Super Bowl. You know, McVay, you got a good, talented team. And you get to live in L.A. You can't beat that, buddy. Rams are going to the Super Bowl. And it's just a tough way for the Saints to lose. I mean, back-to-back years, just heartbreaking losses. You know, the Minneapolis miracle last year with that lucky play with the Vikings. Just horrible ways to lose. I mean, just heartbreaking. It takes years off your life losing like this, man. You know, but they need more playmakers. I mean, but yeah, like I said, if it ain't Kamara out the backfield or Michael Thomas in a zone, I mean, Drew Brees, I mean... I don't know. It would been interesting to see what Dez Bryant could have done for this team, but they need to go out there and get some playmakers at receiver at tight end. You know, they got a Ted Ginn had missed some parts. He had came back, but if Drew Brees can't throw it deep, like what good is Ted Ginn? You know? So I don't know. They they need some playmakers, but my biggest concern is Drew Brees. I mean, is Drew Brees done and we don't want to admit it yet? I don't know. Saints got a lot of question marks going into 2019 season, but the Rams are going on to the Super Bowl. They deserve it. They have been the best team in the NFC all season. They went out there and spent money in free agents, going out there getting sued, getting to leave, trading for Peters. A lot of guys with, you know, character issues. They brought them all in for this run, and they did it. Rams are going to the Super Bowl. It should be fun to watch. Patriots are back in the Super Bowl. I know, I know. Sounds like a broken record. But what can you do? They defeated the Kansas City Chiefs in a very entertaining second half and overtime, 37-31. The most dominating overtime game in league history, in my opinion. They had the game plan offensively and defensively and ran it to perfection. I mean, the fact that this game went to overtime shows you how explosive the Chiefs' offense is because they were dominated. I mean, let's look at the stats. First downs, Patriots 36, Chiefs 18. Total yards, 
Patriots 524, Kansas City 290. Rushing yards, Patriots 176, Chiefs 41. Total plays, New England had the ball for 94 plays, Kansas City 49. Third down conversions, Patriots 13 of 19, Chiefs 4 of 9. I mean, how was this game even close? Keeping Mahomes off the field, damn near the whole first half. You could say, of all people, Tom Brady was the reason this game was even close. Patriots is up 7-0, looking to go up 14-0 on his second drive. And what happens? Brady throws a bad interception in the end zone. He was bailed out, though, because the defense, like I said, they shut the Chiefs down in that first half. I couldn't believe what I was watching. This is like a different Patriot team from what I've been watching all season. The Chiefs couldn't do nothing. They took away Kelsey. They took away Hill. You know, stop the running game. So, you know, they were running high. They were up 7 nothing. But then, you know, I think they was going to be happy with going in up 7 nothing. You know, let's just take the 7 nothing lead and let's get the hell out of here. You know, the way we playing right now. You know, the touchdown before the half made it 14 nothing. Brady threw their set. They were going to run it in. But Kansas City called a timeout thinking their defense could make a stop. And they maybe they can get the ball back. But it was a third down pass play. Patriots pick up a first down. That was the common theme in this game. They got the first down. They went down and scored 14 nothing at the half. And, you know, you can say, like, the Patriots clearly dominated this first half. The fact that it was only 14-0, Kansas City should have been happy with that. You know, second half, you know, difference. Chiefs look like the offense we've seen all season. Mahomes looked like the MVP. We had a great second half in Harrowhead. Chiefs made the adjustments and realized, hey, Kelsey and Hill, you know, this might not be their day. You know, we gonna have to, our other guys gonna have to beat the Patriots. You know, the Patriots like to take away your best options. You know, you know, having Tyreek and Kelsey, you know, we gotta take them away. That's why losing Kareem Hunt was just huge. But that's a different story. You know, Damian Williams played good out the backfield. You know, he wasn't running the ball good, but he played good coming out the backfield. There's a Sammy Watkins sight, and he had a good game, four catches for 114 yards. So, you know, they had to use the second and third options to move the ball against New England. You know, so they made those adjustments, came back, and we had a better a better second half. You know, Brady's second pick in the fourth quarter, you know, that I thought that was going to be the dagger finally in New England, the finally killer. Ding dong, she's finally dead. You know, that led to the first Chiefs lead. They up 21-17 with 7.45 to go. This game was back and forth, but, you know, in typical Brady fashion, he leads a 10-play, 70-yard drive. You know, refs helped him out with the worst rough in the past call I ever seen in my life. I mean, you can't make this shit up. I mean, are you serious right now? I, rough in the passer. But he hit his jersey too hard? I mean, uh, that was just unbelievable. That kept the drive going. But, you know, once you give New England second chances, they just keep coming back. You know, Hogan made a hell of a catch. I mean, the best catch of his career. I still think it hit the ground, but he did have his arm under it, so you just don't know what's a catch. They decide on the fly what's what's a catch and what's what's not. So they, you know, Chiefs challenged it, but it was a catch. 
Another third down conversion to keep the drive alive. Burkhead was a huge big part, you know, of the drive. Just running down the just terrible Chiefs defense throw. I'm this Chiefs defense had one. I guess the broken clock is right two times a day, but this defense, they had a good game last week, but they, they've been awful all season. Let's be honest about that. You know, Sony Michelle finished off the drive for the touchdown. This fourth quarter, like I said, was unbelievable. Non-stop action, back and forth. Kansas City only had the ball for three minutes in the fourth quarter and scored 24 points. You know, can you believe that? It was like I said, you know, just two good teams going at it. You know, want to play for the ultimate prize. You knew it was going to come down to who had the ball last. Patriots up 24-21. Chiefs strike right back in less than two minutes. Mahomes gets them down there to Watkins. A great play to get him to the two-yard line. And in typical Sammy Watkins fashion, he ends up getting hurt on that play. But Williams runs it in from the two-yard line to put the Chiefs back up. Two minutes left. You already know. We've seen this story how many times. You know what's going to happen, especially when they get the great return by Patterson. And you just knew how this story was going in. But it's third and ten. Fifty-four seconds left. This play will live in infamy in Chiefs history forever. Brady throws his third pick of the game. It's over. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. Let's go home. She's finally dead. No, 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 no. Wake up out of that great dream. D Ford offsides. Five-yard penalty on the Chiefs. No interceptions. You cannot make this shit up. You just can't. Patriots score 31-28. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. You can't make this. Like I said, Football on Sunday is the best reality show in America. I don't care what nobody says. You can have your Real Housewives and your loving hip-hop and give me some real football games. That's the best reality show on TV, in my opinion. To my home's credit, this kid is special. 34 seconds left. He leaves the Chiefs down and ties the game up at 31. We're going to overtime. This kid is unbelievable. He's the best player in the league right now already. You heard it from me. But you know what? The call of the game, the call of the Patriots season was not called by Belichick, not called by Brady, but by Matthew Slater, a special teams player who called heads in overtime. Because we already knew at this point the way this game was going back and forth. Whoever won that coin toss was going to get the ball, go down, score, game over. We all knew how it was going to happen. Brady to Edelman, Brady to Gronk, Brady to Edelman again. Converting three, third, and tens. Chiefs defense get off the field. I mean, Jesus Christ. And you end the game with a Burkhead run from two yards out. Patriots back in the Super Bowl. It's over. Chiefs had their chances. But having the ninth worst defense in NFL history would eventually bite them in the ass. Ninth worst defense in NFL history. Not of all the teams this year in NFL history. So you know what they need to work on in the offseason. But this is about the Patriots. They're back in the Super Bowl. They were left for dead all season. You got to give them credit. The receivers played well. Edelman and Hogan. That Edelman, it's just something about him when, when playoff time. I mean, he's Clark Kent in the regular season, but when the playoffs start, he's Superman. He, I mean, he just makes every catch, every big catch, it seems like he comes up with it. You got to give Gronk some credit. We thought Gronk was dead. Is Gronk going to retire? Is he going to go to acting or wrestling? What is he going to do? No, he's going to another Super Bowl. That's what he's going to do. 
Belichick is still dedicated. 45 years of football, still no sign of stopping. He still wants to keep going on, and why wouldn't he? And Tom Brady, what can I say? This guy's the most dedicated, driven, and disciplined player ever. He dedicates himself to his team for almost 20 years. He's still driven and still gets motivated by the criticism and naysayers. And he's disciplined. I mean, this guy, he, I mean, all he wants to do is think about football. I mean, he eats avocado shakes. He, you know, eats tomato ice cream. And he doesn't drink during the season. The guy's disciplined. I mean, he's married to a supermodel wife. A supermodel wife. She probably comes to bed and stuff that lingerie and stuff we ain't gonna see in the states to 2026. Time I got on. Nah, I'm good. I gotta study for this big Jets game coming up, baby. I, I holler at you some other time. You know, that's just what he does. He lives football, and everything else is secondary. And he's headed to another Super Bowl against the Rams, where it all started. Can it all end there? We'll see. Patriots and Rams, Super Bowl 53. about at the mid-season mark of the NBA season right now. It's been a good season so far, not a great season. Let's talk about each conferences. First, let's talk about the East. For the first time in a while, there's no clear-cut favorite in the East. LeBron is gone. So it's teams out there that think they have a great chance. Not as deep as the West, but I think it's five good teams in the East that are championship contenders. The Bucks have been a pleasant surprise. Bootenhoser is my coach of the year so far. I'm not going to lie to you. I think he'll picking him up from Atlanta was a big pickup for this team. Jason Kidd, I love him, but you can see the difference with Boot and Hoser in this team so far. Greek Freak, it's your turn. LeBron is gone. You know, it's your time now. You know, it's your conference. You're older, good coach, no excuse for this team not to advance. I like the additions. Brooke Lopez, a seven-footer, he can shoot. He can block shots at the other end, play some defense. He doesn't clog up the lane so the Greek freak can do his work. Get to the bucket. You know, get fouls. Do the thing that he does without somebody clogging it up. He still can't shoot. But when you're getting dunks and layups, can you really complain? Bledsoe. I like Brogdon. I like Middleton. His supporting cast is starting to come into his own. Watch out for the Bucks. They're a serious contender to come out the East. They're battling with the Toronto Raptors for the top spot. I know getting Kawhi was huge, but it's just not him. There's something about this team. I actually trust the Raptors. I know what you're thinking. Tim, don't fall for it. The Raptors are a team you want to root for. Just a bunch of group of good guys. I just, they're just some, some good guys. Plus, they play in Canada. It's hard to hate on Canada. I mean, such nice people. I mean, you can't say nothing bad about Canada, can you? Other than it's cold. You know, they've had some meltdowns in the playoffs, I know. Some embarrassing moments. They've been swept and punked by LeBron and all these things. And we just kind of sweep it under the rug, I guess because we like them so much. And, you know, we don't make a big deal out of it. You know, do we have standards for the Raptors? I don't know. Maybe we didn't in the past. But they kind of like they kind of like Will Smith. Like, we like Will so much that we kind of excuse the last decade of bad movies he's made. You know, we, we don't we make excuses for it. You know, after Earth. Oh, we forgive you. Hancock. That wasn't your fault. Concussion with that bad accent. Suicide Squad. I could go on. But there's no more excuses for the Raptors. 
They're deep, athletic, and there's no LeBron. I love the perimeter deep defenders, Kawhi, Siakam, Green, a mixture of veterans with some young up-and-comers. Raptors should be the favorite in the East. Now you got the Celtics. They've been underachieving in my opinion. They can't seem to get their rotation together. It seems like it's just too many guys, like nine guys who feel like they should be playing 30 minutes a game. And, you know, they just can't get it figured out. Rozier, Tatum, to me, have taken a step back from last year. Their development, in my opinion, has been stopped with Hayward and Kyrie coming back. You know, this is a team that led led them to the Eastern Conference Finals. They was one win away from the championship. Then you bring Hayward and Kyrie back, and it's kind of seemed like they're not developing anymore. It's kind of messed up the chemistry of the team a little bit. Kyrie's complaining about the young guys. They're not ready to win yet. But the young guys are like, hey, we were one game away from the championship without you. What are you talking about? So I don't know. Maybe, you know, the old saying, less is more. Maybe the Celtics need a trade. Maybe there is too many guys and not enough balls to go around. I don't know. But Brad Stevens needs to figure it out. And figure it out in a hurry before this season just goes up in shambles for Boston. And one thing about Brad Stevens, like, this is the first time we really we really have seen him in the position where he has the most talent. Usually with Brad Stevens, even go back to his days in Butler, it was always a good, hard team. Not the most talented team, but it's a good team to go out there and play hard for them and, you know, give the other team problems and play good defense. Not the most talented team, but they played the hardest. We This is the first time we've seen where Brad Stevens like, you're supposed to win. You got more talent than that guy. Other than the Warriors, who really has more talent than the Celtics? You know, I think they underachieving. Like I said, this is the first time we've seen Stevens who's like, you got more talent. Figure it out. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be interesting to see what they do because they're the hunted now. I mean, let's be honest. Going into the season, it was a lot of people who thought Boston could beat Golden State. They were the favorites in the East. You know, what's going on? Is it too many people? Not enough balls to go around? Boston needs to figure something out. I think they need to trade, shake some things up. Less is more, in my opinion. The Sixers are exciting to me, and I believe in them. They have three of the best top ten players in the East. I don't think nobody can deny that. You know? But my thing is, in a seven-game series against top-tier teams in the East, they might be at a coaching disadvantage. To me, the jury is still out on Brett Brown. You know, is he a great coach or is he just in a good situation? I don't know yet. We still, I, don't, I still don't know about Brett Brown. The big three will carry this team, though. As far as they go, it's going to be from the big three. The bench is not that great. They could use another shooter to go with Redick. A solid trade might help the Sixers out. Or maybe bring in an experienced veteran like a Carmelo Anthony or something. You know, just to give a guy to come off the bench, give you 10 to 15. The players respect him. I, I, I don't think it's a bad fit. The Sixers, like I said, they could use some bench scoring. Why not? Why not give it a try? Jimmy Butler and NB's injuries kind of concern me too. That's another problem I might have with the Sixers. Can NB stay healthy? He's been having his back issues, but they still playing him in games in January. Jimmy Butler seemed like he's out with this and that nagging injuries. So I don't know. Butler's mouth could also be another concern. It's also, you know, been reports him and Brett Brown not getting along. Brett Brown's not calling the offense right. It's become some concern. You know how Jimmy Butler is. If he smells a soft coach, he's going to take advantage of it. We've seen that with Fred Hoiberg in Chicago. So I don't like some certain things, but it's a lot of things I do like about this Sixers team. So we'll see. The Pacers are being slept on. 
But y'all need to wake up. I think y'all need to wake up. Pacers can play with any of the top teams in the East. You know, I wouldn't pick them, but I wouldn't be surprised if they won. They can make a run in the playoffs. They have depth. They play hard every night. And they're tired of being slept on. They're tired of people, when they name the teams in the East, the Pacers don't get, nobody brings them up. You know, I still need to know who's the second best player on the team. You know, I still need to know that. Oladipo is the number one guy, but I think it needs somebody to step and take that, take the mantle. I'm the second best player on this team. Sometimes it's Turner. Sometimes it's Badanovich. Sometimes it's Sabonis. I guess seven players average double figures on this team. So I guess, you know, who knows? Do you need to know who a clear-cut seven guy? Just a lot of good players. How about that then? Pacers are a good team. In America, y'all need to wake up. To me, those, I mean, the rest of the teams, to me, that's the top. Those are the legit teams in the East. I mean, feel free to put the rest of the teams wherever you want to. You could flip a coin. Miami, Detroit, Brooklyn. Brooklyn plays hard every night. They play hard every night, but not the most talented team. Uh, Orlando, Washington. Washington has looked better since Wall's been out. So, you know, think of that. Take of that how you want to. Just a bunch of substitute teachers to me in the Eastern Conference. Like I said, eight teams got to make it. It's five legit teams. Other the three, you can just throw anybody in there. They won't make it too long in the playoffs. And that's just the Eastern Conference. Uh, the bottom of the East is might be the worst it's ever been. Um, these guys are playing for Zion. I mean, let's be honest. Is in Zion. They, you know, their joy will be in Zion. Bulls, Cavaliers, Knicks, Hawks. I mean, the Eastern Conference is a joke at the bottom. At the bottom. It's pretty bad. Those are lottery teams, worst teams in the league. First pick in the draft, they'll be tanking for it or trying to trying to win but losing or trying to lose and still losing even worse. Just bad teams. They'll figure it out. But the Eastern Conference should be an exciting playoffs. Western Conference. The West is deeper than the East, but only one team I can see winning it all, and let's be honest, it's the Golden State Warriors. They will cruise to the number one seed. Boogie Cousins is back. Most likely they'll have the best record in the league. They've had their issues to start the season. Durant versus Draymond. Curry hurt. Clay shooting slump. And just not bringing it every night. And yet and still, they have the best record in the West. And probably will have the best record in the league. Not much to talk about here. I think they will be in the finals, barring injuries. Not injury, injuries. Multiple guys will have to go down. And I'm talking about their star players. Not no Jordan Bell or Looney or somebody like that. One of the key guys. They lose more than two games in a series. I would be surprised. But I will give you two teams in the West. I believe can win two games against the Warriors and push it to six games. The first team... The Oklahoma City Thunder. The Thunder frustrate me. They play down to the competition. Some nights they lose to the Bulls and Hawks. And then they turn around and beat the Warriors. But like I said, they lost to the Bulls and Hawks this year, which is unacceptable. But Paul George is playing like an MVP. He has been playing great this year. This is the best he's been in his career. 
He looked good on offense, and he looked good on defense. Him and Steven Adams, I think, two of, two of the top, you know, defensive players in the game, and she'll be defensive player of the year candidates. Schroeder is the best backup point guard in the league. I like their young guys and Ferguson and Grant. No wonder they were in a hurry to get rid of Carmelo. We got these young guns coming in. They've been playing good. Noel is also a good defender. And Westbrook is always motivated to go against Golden State. He's not shooting as much. His percentage is down, but he's not shooting as much as he normally does. He's getting the team involved. And I like what I'm seeing from Oklahoma City Thunder against good teams. If they can quit losing to these bad teams, their record would be a little bit better. And plus, you know, against the Warriors, you know he's going to go at KD. This would be must-see TV. And tempers would flare. A couple of hold-me-back moments will happen in this series. I think the Thunder could get two games, but I don't see it, the Warriors being too pushed in this series. But I think the Thunder could get two games. And who knows? It could get very interesting. The other team I think will be the Houston Rockets. You know? I can see them winning a few games against the Warriors. They pushed them to the brink last year. You know, they had them beat. They had them at home. Game seven, they were leading going into the second half, and it all just fell apart. They had their chances. Chris Paul needs to be 100%. He needs to be at least be out there. I mean, this guy just picks the wrong times to get hurt, don't he? Maybe they help him out. He's getting hurt early in the season so he can finally finish the season this time. Usually, is always backwards with him. Usually, he gets hurt at the end, but healthy. This time, he's getting hurt early. So, hopefully, he'll be back at the end of the season because, I mean, this guy, you talk about just bad luck. The only time that he looked healthy to me is when he in them State Forum commercials. You know, Capella is hurt. So, they got to get him back. Gordon, Eric Gordon just came back. He's a big help. Good score. I like him. They just picked up Kenneth Fareed. I think that's a good guy to back up Capella. Some defense, block some shots, run the floor, get some dunks. I like him. Harden will have to show up at all games. You got to show up, Harden. You can't just take games off and then, you know, get 51 games, but then take off the next. I need you to show up and be ready to play. Chris Paul, you know, he got to be out there. He got to be out there to help them win and go off. I need you to be aggressive at all times, Harden. It can't be one against five. You got to be aggressive, but keep your team involved. Coach D'Antonio has to stop being so damn stubborn. Play more guys when the playoffs come around. You know, you can't have a, a six-man rotation in the playoffs. Guys get exhausted. We've seen that game seven last year against the Warriors. They was exhausted in that series. They couldn't do nothing. They was tired. Make sure you give your guys some rest. Play seven to eight, nine guys so they can be fresh when it matters most. Those are the two teams I think have, I know, a shot at, you know, pushing the Warriors in the series. Um, other contenders, uh, I would have mentioned the Lakers, but LeBron, I don't know is, when he's coming back or is they going, you know, what he's going to do, you know. They were saying he's going to be back, but that was two weeks ago. The playoffs started today. The Lakers are not in it. But they can get LeBron back soon. Is it serious? I mean, is he pulling the Kawhi Leonard? I don't know. But they need to get him back sooner, you know, than later. Now Lonzo Ball is hurt. Knowing him and his dad, they probably faking it so the Lakers won't trade his ass. But that's, you know, that's just what I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Let's be honest. Rondo is back, so that, you know, that should help. Get some veteran leadership out there. But get LeBron back is the key. And getting out of that A spot when he do get back. If he do get back, I think if they get out of that eighth spot, 
I think they can beat anybody. Like I said, the Thunder can challenge the Warriors, but I also think I wouldn't be surprised if the Thunder lost in the first round. Thunder could go to the Raptors Conference Finals or lose in the first round. And the Lakers are one of the teams that could beat them. But they need LeBron back, and they need to get out of that spot so they can avoid Golden State. Uh, Nuggets, I still think they're a year away. To me, they kind of overachieving a little bit. They've had some injuries. Will Barton has been out. Millsap can't stay healthy. Uh, they're supposed to be getting Isaiah Thomas back in the next couple of weeks, so that's going to help them out a little bit. So I think the Nuggets, they can compete. I wouldn't be surprised if they, they did win a playoff series, but I still think they're a year away from actually competing with the Warriors for, like, getting out the West. So I still think they're a couple of years away. From, but one year, let's say one year away. Uh, Blazers, uh, Portland, uh, they get to the playoffs. They're one of those teams that are get to the party but they won't do nothing once they get to the party like they don't drink they don't dance they don't conversate you know it's like why are you here you're not getting no numbers and why are you here portland that's how i feel about portland they get you there but they're not doing much once they get you there spurs uh pop's doing a great job i mean these last two seasons has been his least talented team since he's been in san antonio but it seems like they always in the playoff hunt they're always around he's doing a great job spurs are really overachieving they have no business making the playoffs last year or this year but they will be there jazz they're a tough team they're tough out jazz always tough they're gonna come and play that's one thing about them i like their coach he's gonna have them ready to play all the time they could with the right seed they could win a playoff series too uh clippers they need to focus on free agency they got two enough money to get two max deal players Clippers will be a big time team next year Kings and Mavs uh, not yet maybe like a year away from being playoff teams I still don't know about them Timberwolves I don't know what to think at least Derrick Rose looks good that's about all I can say about them Grizzlies uh, if they play in the 90s the Grizzlies will be a championship contender I mean get to beat you up play hard defense win a game 94-90 that's right up their alley but it's 2019 and the Grizzlies you can't win like that this nowadays so Grizzlies will not be in the playoffs I think they should break that team up and you know start from scratch why not Pelicans uh, I feel bad for AD he deserves better this team is not going anywhere they I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs I said that at the beginning of the season he will be out here as soon as he can Mark my words. The Western Conference playoffs should be good, but it should also be predictable. The fight this weekend between Manny Pacquiao and Adrian the Problem Broner. Uh, it was on pay-per-view of all things. Um, I don't know why, but mm, it was a good fight, I guess. Pacquiao dominated, in my opinion, against the loudmouth Broner, who you know, talks more than he actually delivers in the ring. It's starting to be a joke the way he's going around here running his mouth, but doesn't deliver in the ring. You know, we keep falling for it. You know, I'm done with Adrian Broner. He's just like that, you know, to me, he's like that musician who makes one good song and you hear it on the radio. But then when you go buy the whole album, that's the only damn good song on the, on the album. 
I mean, it's getting old. The act is getting old. It's not delivering in the ring. I mean, if you can't beat a 40-year-old Manny Pacquiao, I mean, I don't know what's left for you. Maybe he'll become a, a rapper or reality show or somebody. VH1's always looking for a new sucker. I think he'd be good for that. Yeah, I mean, just getting dominated by Pacquiao, who looked 40. Let's be honest about it. He looked like he was 40, and you couldn't win that. Uh, as for Pacquiao, I don't even want to talk no more about Broner. I just, you know, I get upset just thinking about you know, what a clown he is. Just not a good boxer. Just wasting, you know, wasting, you know, a, a decent career if he, he would just stay focused and let his hands go. But Pacquiao, he's 40, still a good draw, still can compete with, I'm not going to say the top tier of the welterweight divisions, but he's still a good draw. Let's just put it like that. He's up there in age. I don't want to see him get hurt. You know, if he's really fighting a good fighter, like a top tier welterweight, I don't want to see him get hurt. Maybe he'll got a few more fights in him, you know, pay off what he needs to do or whatever. I don't know why he's still boxing at this stage of his career. But whatever the reason is, hopefully he gets that taken care of and gets out of the sport safe. And, you know, he's had a good run. You know, let these young guys have their time. You had your run. and But, like I said, he's still competitive and still winning fights. So, who knows how much longer Pacquiao can go. Like I said, it wasn't the best fight in the world, but I thought I'd talk about it a little bit. Broner needs to grow up and rededicate himself. Pacquiao, still, still not the best Pacquiao in the world, but good enough to beat clowns like Broner. Will he continue boxing? I don't know. But we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see. Thanks, you guys. I will holler back at you guys next week. Thanks for supporting. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Thank you again. I'll holler back at y'all next week.